This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Trashy Divorces. Welcome, everybody, to another week of some Trashy D. I'm Alicia. I'm Stacy. This week on Whew. Season No Rules. Whoa. We have some fun. You have fun. I have upset. <laughs> <laughs> God. I love how... The trash candy gods and goddesses work out for us sometimes because last week I picked Margaret Tudor out of the cup, one of the last Scottish queens, but Trashy Divorces last week got a super sweet shout out on a Scottish program called Shelf Isolation. A huge thanks to our favorite Scottish listener over there, Denise Mina, for the trashy love and welcome to all of our new trash pandas across the pond. We're, we're excited ha- you're here. We're happy you're here. Stacy. this week you got... I have Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, which I... It, it is... There's nothing funny about... It's just a terrible story that is full of full of trash. So our little comedy show is a little persnickety this week. It's tricky. It's tricky. <laughs> so it was tough. There's no like really unifying theme, but I did listen to a lot of what I think is one of the best movie soundtracks that's ever happened, Pretty in Pink this week, a la New Order, uh, Shell Shock as the episode title. I think that probably works for mine. Before we get started super quick, we have some new trash candy team members to welcome that joined us on Patreon. We do. Let's give a huge thank you to Yvonne H., Patricia P., Cynthia C., Jennifer T., Chelsea B., and Brittany M., Patrina, Lee Ann G, Adele J, Rachel V, Crystal WP. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so excited that you're in our magic mirror this week. Don't forget, y'all, if you got a little bit more time on your hands. Mm-hmm, as many of us do. We got a bunch of free trash candy over at bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine. Just plug that into your browser and hit play on whatever. And we release new episodes out of the Patreon catalog on that every week. So mm-hmm. if you just don't get your fill of trash candy on Sunday, go over there. They're a little funnier. <laughs> than this week's, yes. <laughs> Are you ready to get started? I. Oh my God. Let's go, go, go. Okay, Alicia, so you, um, as the perpetual Tudor fangirl, are going to take us back in time to the, the court of Henry VIII, Hank VIII-ish. This week, uh, we're dipping into my trashy Tudor true yeah. a little bit. We've covered Henry VIII in our very first episode. Mm-hmm. We've also covered divorcing royal sisters with Princess Margaret mm-hmm. and Lord Snowden, this week, we have another Tudor sister to talk about, Margaret Tudor. It's a little scandalous. She gets skipped over a bunch with her very famous king brother, but her divorce actually comes before Henry's. Margaret's married three times, the first out of total duty, like, because I have to. Like you do. Like yeah. you do. 
the next two times for Desire. And Margaret Tudor, turns out, is actually quite a mirror here for her granddaughter, Mary Queen of Scots, Mm. who will do the exact same thing. I learned it by watching you, Grandma. Okay. You ready to get into it? I mean... Yeah, let's let's try it. let's hop in the TARDIS and go. Woo, woo! Margaret Tudor is the second child and first daughter of Henry the Seventh and Elizabeth of York. Remember, Henry Seven and Bessie York have reunited the Tudor dynasty, right? Margaret has an older brother named Arthur. She's going to have a younger brother too, Henry, and a younger sister named Mary. But when our fair Margaret is born. On the 28th of November in 1489. Sagittarius, baby. She is, yes. The country, England, at this point, is only really loosely stitched together after 150 years of civil war, right? And her mom is the sister of the princes in the tower, who are not on the throne because they're dead, because her father, Henry VII, stole it from Richard III, Elizabeth's uncle, right? Right. So what I'm trying to say is Margaret has grown up understanding that survival is the name of the game and you protect that survival at all costs. Makes sense. It was a tough era. That is tough era. That is what I have learned through your... <laughs> like it, it's going to get tougher. Many hours of trashy tutors over on Patreon. So Margaret Tudor is named after her grandmother, Margaret Beaufort, Henry VII's mom. I might put her story up on Trash Candy Quarantine this week. Okay. That sounds about right. Margaret Tudor will spend her childhood with her mom and Henry and Mary, her brother and sister, at Sheen Palace and Elton Palace. Arthur's not there. He is doing his princing over in cold, wet Wales, right? So Margaret is a good, regular Tudor girl. Her childhood is very typical of what royal households will do. She's educated in musical instruments, dancing, all things courtly. Like, there is no doubt from birth that Margaret is going to be used for alliance purposes, right? It's just what you do. But something happens internally in England in 1501, and that her older brother, Arthur, the once and future king, is now dead. Hmm. And Henry, her brother, is now heir, and that comfortable Sheen Palace where she grows up will be renamed Richmond Palace, because it's Henry's palace now, and everything's shifting, And Henry VII, not a war king. He's come from war, and he wants peace. In 1502, he decides it might be swell to stop fighting with Scotland. And he and his advisors and the king of Scotland in 1502 will sign something called the Treaty of Perpetual Peace. And does it turn into a treaty? It doesn't. Oh, fuck no. It does not turn into a treaty. Because Mary, Queen of Scots, is still in the future at this point. Oh, good lord. Yeah. No, it's all bad. Okay. So the the misnamed Treaty of Perpetual Peace. That is correct. So what does this quote-unquote peace treaty do? (laughs) It is going to promise the young Margaret to the more than twice her age Scottish king in marriage. James IV is a March 17th baby. He's a Pisces. Okay. Not that astrology matters a ton in the royal marriage path, but just if you're interested, the Pisces-Sag matchup, a little tricky. Both are mutable signs ruled by Jupiter. And they can be a lot of fun when they get together, but they may not ever start at all. It's going to be hard to get them together, but they'll have fun when they do it. But Margaret and James Four are going to have to start. Like, the dynasty must go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So Margaret has promised, like the age of nine, in these talks before the treaty gets signed. And her mother and her grandmother, Margaret Beaufort, are like, no, she's way too young to be married. Like technically in Tudor era, you need to be 12 to marry. And Margaret Beaufort, right, was never able to have any other kids after delivering Henry VII because she was like 12 when she did it. So mom and grandma not into this and they're begging Henry VII, just wait a little longer, wait a little longer, wait till she's 14 at least. Because the thing you need to know is that Scottish King James IV already has like seven or eight illegitimate kids oh, great. with like four different women. It's awesome. I mean, he's 30, right? Like, of course you do. You're yeah, well, the king. I mean, and, and yeah. She's a child. Birth but control's not a thing. The I wedding mean. is on, like, 1503. So they're married by proxy first, where, like, you marry somebody else that's standing in and you, like, touch knees. Like, it's all trick. Yeah. No, like go to a bed and like touch hands, touch. It's so fun. Um, wait, so he literally had a stand-in? Yeah, that's you get married by proxy first. If you're doing like an international alliance, your wedding ha- can happen six years, two years, a shit ton of time before you actually meet your spouse in person and are married. You're married by proxy first. I think I was today years old. Yeah. I- I did not realize that was a thing. Because yeah. I, I knew like the engagements were an extremely like formal, like that means you're locked down. Sure. But if you need to get the business done, you send in so some crazy. ambassador, sure. Duke, uh, something to marry by proxy to your. That's so weird. Yeah. Okay. okay. But the wedding's on. Married by proxy. And then Margaret is going to head to Scotland to marry like for real in person in August. So off on progress to meet her new husband, Margaret Goes. Olden times, right? She's 13. (laughs) James is like 30. And in typical... I'm uh, sure they have lots to talk about. Renaissance fashion. Are your dolls? No, King James. As Margaret's on progress, King James, surprisingly, is hunting nearby and does the dress-up surprise-you-cosplay thing that's so popular within the European court. But James truly, he's not a shit guy. He doesn't bring any weapons to this. He will bring instruments because they both really like music. Oh, well, that's And they really like each other, which is always a good thing if you're an arranged marriage. Like, he's twice as old as she is, but they will marry on August 8th at Holyrood Abbey, and she is crowned queen at the same time. Okay. So there's none of this Henry, her brother, pussyfooting around with, I need you to deliver an heir before I make you queen. No, she's just straight up. Queen of Scotland. Queen of Scotland. I mean, there's a nice gig if you can get it. Yeah, for real. There's feasting and celebration and woohoo. It's all good. James Four will gift Margaret lands and jewels and they ride about on their honeymoon progress, which is going great until they show up at Sterling Castle which is where James has stashed all of his babies. Nope. So that particular visit doesn't go all that great. They don't really stay that long mm-hmm. at Sterling. Are any of his kids older than his new bride? Uh, uh, not yet. Okay. I mean, close. All right. So, oh, great. <laughs> but That's as kings go, like, terrible. James, not a bad dude. As arranged marriages go, this one is very successful. James is very attentive and thoughtful and kind to Margaret throughout their entire marriage. Now, James has had a long-term mistress named Janet Kennedy 
He'll go see her every once in a while, but again, frequent gifts and kindnesses to Margaret Tudor. I can't believe there are Kennedy spider webs in this story. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Margaret and James will not have their first child until like three years later. Four years later, they wait a few years. Maybe she fails actually to get pregnant. Maybe James, King James, just waits a little bit until Maggie's older to not put her in risk. Yeah, I feel okay? like I've seen that. That Yeah, like when, when you had these weird, super young, uh, yeah, they would discourage. Yeah, they'll do a little something to consummate it and then wait a few years before they... Because, I mean, he's got Janet Kennedy. He's getting his rocks off plenty of other sure. places. Okay. 1507, their first son, James, is born. Son and heir. Everything's great. But Margaret's really sick. <laughs> this is where I hear proclaimers in my head. So James the king has decided that he will walk 120 miles on pilgrimage and pray. I would pray 120 miles and I would. And so this is how he's going to cure his wife. And Margaret recovers. Okay. Hey. So fantastic. They're going to be married about 10 years. She's going to have six kids with only one surviving infancy. Oh. So when we talk about childbearing woes, yeah. like it's a tough time to be it, bringing kids in the that, world. Yeah. That son James dies when he's a year old. The crappy part is that Margaret is pregnant with her next child when James dies. And that child that she's pregnant with is a girl who dies the day she's born. Next up, 1509, there's another boy, Arthur. He dies before his first birthday. Yikes. They have another son in April 1512. This isn't confusing at all. They're going to call him James II. Okay. Not James II number. James II T-O-O. He is the next king. This is the James that's the king, not the James that died. Well. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) It's all. The ghost king of Scotland. (laughs) Coming up next on Patreon. (laughs) Their next daughter will die again at birth. The last one, the last child Margaret is pregnant with when, oh my. Okay, let's talk about this. So Henry VIII has assumed the throne of England in 1509 after the death of Henry VII. Henry VIII marries Catherine of Aragon, Arthur, his brother's Mm -hmm. widow. Right. And the thing that you need to know about Henry VIII is he is doing everything he possibly can to show that he is not his stodgy, stuck-in-the-mud, responsible father. Henry VIII's role model and hero is Henry V, who has conquered France. And all Henry wants to do, lusty, 18, I can fucking joust for real, I can also fight in wars for real. All he wants to do is fight. He's 18 and bloodthirsty as hell. And he only knows, like, I'm a king. I have to fight. That's what I have to do. It's annoying. So by 1513, Henry has decided that he wants to conquer France, which goes about as shitty as you think it's going to go. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's one successful battle he has called the Battle of the Spurs. Which the only thing, it's rumored, like the only thing you see are the French spurs chase, being chased away. And he has one successful batter, right. the rest are massacres. But hold up. The rest is like final status battles over God, Kelly so for bad. the next Finish him. Years. Yeah. Right. Okay. So by 1513, Henry VIII 
off fighting very unsuccessfully in France, and he leaves Catherine of Aragon as regent. Okay, now 1513, Henry's forces are like, hey, fuck that treaty of perpetual peace. Now is a terrific time to wage war on Scotland. Why not? Why not? Fuck the peace treaty. So they do. So troops are meeting all over Flodden Field. This is September 1513. And Margaret is telling her husband, James, the king, please do not go into this battle. But he is a king and he's well loved by his people. He's kind of a lover, not a fighter. Evidently by the dozen illegitimate kids and let's play the loot together, baby. Right. He's not great in battle. And sure enough, Scotland is defeated and every single house in Scotland will lose multiple members. It is a disastrous day for Scotland. Disastrous. People will still cry over the Battle of Flodden. Like it's a bad day. Two dozen earls, nobles, knights, dead. A lot of clergy too. King James IV will also die on Flodden Field. Yikes. Leaving the country in the hands of Margaret as regent with a 17-month-old son and pregnant. Hmm. Now, the irony of this little battle, if you want the trashy part. I do. Oh, God. (laughs) What is ironic Henry doesn't lead this battle. Catherine of Aragon leads this battle. Really? And when James IV is dead on the field, she will have her troops take his bloody coat and she will send James's bloody coat to Henry VIII fighting in France. Like, war is easy, dude. Right. What's wrong with you? So he's off being humiliated in France for the most part. And, and she's, she's has like, just hey, defeated. I just conquered Scotland. What's Here's up? his bloody coat. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So dead hubby James has left Margaret Regent, which is not necessarily unusual, but she's been a loyal wife. She's had eight kids. But an English lass being in charge of Scotland, needless to say, raises a few kilts. Okay? <laughs> it's not popular. Like, your country just killed our king, and um, I don't know if you noticed, but you're a girl. So how has all of that worked out in the past? Yeah. Okay. Things are like okay for a year. But Margaret, now a 25-year-old with needs of her own, is going to fall in love again. I'm not sure if you've heard about this thing called sex. (laughs) And uh, No, what's that? (laughs) Margaret is going to, oh, God, fall in love with someone most unsuitable. And sacrifice everything in the process, including her regency. The rule is, you are regent for the king as long as you remain a widow. You get remarried, you are no longer in charge of fucking anything. Okay, but... But love is love. Love is love. The heart wants what the heart wants. Bad choices, Margaret. She's married for duty. She's done it well, and now she wants her own life. So... All of that. Buckle up, trash pandas, because here's where it gets trashy. Margaret's going to marry the next damn year, 1514, to a dude named Archibald Douglas. You see him in older pictures, so you never think about any of these people actually being hot and sexy. But he's like 24 and sexy, I guess. Archie is the sixth Earl of Angus, and he's a member of the House of Douglas. And this is the counter-opposition. Like, 
Oh, poor Scotland. Sides are always switching. Like, Scotland is a poor country, and they have been caught between England and France for hundreds of years. It's all shady. And Archie's no fucking prize. I mean, to maybe Margaret he is, but he's been keeping some secrets from his queen. The big one, he's been shacking up with Lady Jane of Traquar for like years they've been involved. Margaret doesn't know about this. Sure. So Margaret falls head over heels in love with him. He falls head over heels in love with the power and position that she can give me, but I'm still going to be fucking Lady Jane. That doesn't seem like an unusual position for a man to hold in his mind even today. So the marriage is done super secret, very quietly. Mm -hmm. But once the news gets out, the marriage, you can be surprised if you want to be, is not necessarily welcome news throughout the country. Mm. And now Margaret has a bunch of power-hungry dudes in kilts circling her. She's no longer regent, but her new hubby, Archie, is like BFFs with her stupid brother, Henry VIII, even though they've never met. France is pissed. Scotland's pissed. Now there's a child in charge of the country. France, well, Scotland, is going to send to France to get the Duke of Albany to come back over and be regent and keep the peace. Kind of... um. Like the way the English Lord Protector works. Gotcha. Same kind of thing. So Albany comes over, takes possession of the king. And this is all bad because her new husband, Archie, is kind of a dick. And uh, there's a lot of fighting back and forth where they take possession of the king. Then Albany gets possession of the king. Then Archie grabs him. Like, it's all bad. Poor James V. That's all I have to say. Poor James V. So... There's a cut. It's a it's bad, but a very pregnant in 1515, a very pregnant Margaret Tudor and Archie are going to flee to England. They have alienated everyone in Scotland and they need a safe place. Sure. So they cross the border and when they get there, Margaret spills all the tea about everything wrong Albany has done. I've been imprisoned. My movements have been restricted. They've been watched. My letters are intercepted. My sons are taken from me. Albany has seized my goods. I only have the clothes on my back. So Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon are like, well, um, you're about to have a baby. So let's make sure we set you up for your lying in and your confinement so you can have this child, which she does, Lady Margaret Douglas. In October of that year, who we know about from Trashy Tudors because she is Arabella Stewart's grandmother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maggie D. Margaret Douglas. We're going to talk about her. Okay. Okay. One day. But this is the daughter? This is the daughter of Archie and Margaret. Okay. So, should I stay or should I go? Right? Like, what do we do? We're not welcome in Scotland. We can hang out here in England. But this is the time that Archie decides, uh, hey... Duke of Albany has offered me some immunity and a way out because I'm like slung up on all these treason charges. So I'm going to head back to Scotland now. Have fun, toots. So Archie takes back off, leaving Margaret, right, in England, where she also finds out at this time that the other son that she had, Alex, that she was pregnant with when James died at Flodden Field, has also died. And the rumors are swirling about that Albany has had him murdered, which is not true. 
Albany is going to be a way better help to her than her crappy husband. She just doesn't know it yet. So Margaret stays in England and she's reunited with her Tudor family. Henry VIII is going to put her up in Scotland Yard in Whitehall. Interesting. Not yet a police force. Not yet a police force. Okay. Uh, Margaret's living at court, hanging with all of her siblings and her sister-in-law. I mean, again. was it, did they name it Scotland Yard because she was like the former queen of Scotland? Like, is this how it's... It was it, just Scotland Yard. And that's where they put her up is Scotland Yard. It's a little place in Whitehall. It always had that name? For, yeah. For, yeah. Okay. Ah. Where history becomes trash. Yeah, okay. but it seems like that would be an opportune time to name it Scotland Yard as the former Queen of Scotland is now. Already named there. Scotland Yard. Where else is she going to go? They can't send her to the English Yard. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. And Ireland does not want a yard in this area. <laughs> nope. It never has. Ireland says, fuck you, you jits. We're out. There's a French garden. <laughs> okay. Back with the family. Now, do you think it's uncomfortable at all with Catherine of Aragon and Margaret Tudor? Like, you killed my husband? So, I don't know. It's all weird. But eventually. I mean, Tudor family values are just mind-bogglingly complex. Wildly off the charts. <laughs> eventually, Margaret is going to need to get back to Scotland. Like, her kid is there. Her husband's there. So, there's this new treaty that Woolsey and Albany and Henry VIII negotiate. And Albany's like, listen, Margaret, I'll give you back your lands. Like, please come back. This is, I'm here to help you. Do they do they use the word perpetual in the title of this? Probably. <laughs> so how we perpetually fuck you, Margaret Tudor. <laughs> so Margaret comes back. And when she gets back, oh, my God, she finds out hubby Archie has been living with Lady Jane. Shocked. On Margaret's dime. I'm Margaret's Shocked. lands, dowers, all of her shit are funding his cheating lifestyle. And this doesn't sit too well with a Sagittarius gal. Really? Archie, because he's been on the properties, like she stays in England for a few years. So like she comes back and he's been collecting rents and monies on all of her property, but not giving any of them to her. Like she's broke. She's letting her staff go. She's pawning everything she can because she has a shit ass husband. It's my favorite part of the story. You ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's so good. Does she murder him? So, Margaret. Hmm. <laughs> how, how can I help myself out of the situation? So, she will write to her brother, Henry VIII. Henry, please help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. Henry, I really need to divorce this asshole. And Henry, who loves Angus? Never met him. Right, right. He loves Archie. Sorry. Sure, I'm, House of Angus. Yeah, like they're I'm using his title, but yeah, he loves Archie. And Henry wants to keep Archie on the side of England and in the absolute richest do what I say, not what I do move in the world. Henry VIII is like, nope, sister. Marriage is divinely ordained, and it cannot be dissolved just because you don't like who you're married to. Wow. He chides her. He calls wow. her out. She is, the scan- she is the first scandal of Christendom. He's like, you are bringing shame on all of our family. How dare you suggest this? Marriage is holy. Wow. 
And I will support you only if you're with Archie. So you need to work it out. And I'm going to send a priest to give you guys uh, marital counseling. Oh, yeah. Send the celibate guy to go talk about. Anyway. Um, May I remind you of your mortal soul, sister? Hank Eight. Hank Eight, wow. man. I mean, I know he's not a hypocrite yet, but oh. wow, will that become some So hypocrisy. rich, brother. <laughs> so rich. So every time she tries to get her hands on any cash, like Archie stops her. What will I live on? She comes back. She's regent because Albany has split. Albany lives in France. His life is there. He has no interest in taking care of the fucking Scottish backwater. Like... Margaret, please come back. Be a regent so I can go live my life on my vineyards with my wife in France. um, I think the weather's considerably better in most of France. So by 1520, it's all a fucking mess. So Albany has to come back. And now Albany and Margaret Tudor are going to team up. And Albany's like, you know what, Margaret? I'm on your side. I've always been on your side. Let me show you how much I'm on your side. Albany will strip Archie's family of all their offices Albany will support the divorce petition that is sitting right now in Rome. And as you can imagine, hubby Archie's a little pissed. He will now flee to France and start all these wild rumors that Margaret and Albany are lovers. And of course, that's why he's helping him. I mean, again, it's scandal in Europe. Yeah. Before Henry VIII is going to steal the steal the spotlight. In right, a few years. right. He's is he upset that people are so focused on his sister? <laughs> is he is he doing a Tahani here? Archie, <laughs> Camilla, Archie will finally make his way down to England to meet his brother in law Henry VIII. This is mid like fifteen twenty four, and. He wants to make a compromise. So now Henry's getting involved again, and Margaret wants none of it. Like, Henry, you are a meddling ass, and you're dead to me, dude. You're dead to me, brother. You've been no help whatsoever. And, oh, geez. Like, all the letters he writes, she just won't open. Because she's like, screw you, dude. You're no help to me whatsoever. And, oh, God. (sighs) During all this time, poor James, who has grown up from baby to toddler to child to adolescent just the king is with me the king is taken the king is with albany the king is with archie everybody's firing on everybody to take possession of the king and it goes on like this for years (laughs) the divorce petition is still rolling through rome but margaret tudor has now uh put her eye on a new dude just as inappropriate as the last one excellent He is the first cousin of her current husband, dude named Henry Stewart. She will promote him to captain of the guards. And the divorce from Archie actually is granted. Okay. In 1528, it is the divorce that rocks the Tudor world before Henry's. Learn it by watching you. Yeah. Like, uh, and this is kind of the first time hearing of it. So it's. Because it was so Scandalous. overshadowed by her. So brother. overshadowed, yeah. but she kind of sets the bar on this. The divorce is granted on the grounds of the fact that Archie was pre-contracted to Lady Jane and never bothered to tell Margaret. Okay. But this same month, December like 1528, a teenage James finally makes his own escape. He's out. He manages to escape from his captors and not get caught. He reunites with Margaret and her new husband because they marry immediately. 
And everybody hates this match just as much as they hated her and Archie together, except King James V, who's now like 16. Right. And uh, he's like, Mom, you've really had it shitty. I'm going to give Henry Stewart a title. He's now the first Lord of Methven and will keep Margaret and Henry as his advisors. James V will go on to disgrace Archie, robbing him of his lands like blah, blah, blah. He kind of lives on the skids for a while, but he never stops scheming Archie. Kind of a dickbag. But Henry Stewart kind of trash too because, glad you're sitting down, (laughs) Henry has a mistress that's living in Maggie's castle, too, and, uh... Jeez. Yeah. Maggie's like, I've done this before, I can do it again. So Margaret will go to James V, like, hey, son, um, we're gonna need to, like, refile those divorce papers, and James V is like, Mom, you cannot get another divorce. You're gonna need to figure this out, like... I can't make this happen for you. I can support you in what you're doing. I can be a proponent of getting rid of Archie. He's a bad dude, but I can't sign off. Yeah, you can't be a serial divorcee. A divorcee. It's 1528. Yeah. This is unheard of. Wait till you wait till we talk about your uncle. <laughs> Hold up. Mom, you need to figure this out. So Margaret and Henry Stewart will remain very unhappily married for a while. And then Towards the end of the 1530s, they have some sort of reconciliation, at least enough to keep the peace. James V will take on a second wife, Mary of Guise, who actually, Mary of Guise is very kind to her mother-in-law, Margaret Tudor. And Mary of Guise is partially responsible for restoring Margaret Tudor's reputation a little bit, her dignity and respect for the king's mother, because all anybody's done is talk about What a slag Margaret Tudor's been for, right. Margaret Tudor's later years may have been a little happier and a little less turbulent than her earlier years. Margaret will suffer a stroke and die on October 18th in 1541. She calls for her son James as she's dying, but he does not arrive in time. Also, apparently during the end, Margaret is calling out for that shitbag Archie. Her second husband. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I never should have done that. I don't know what kind of psychosis you get into, but she's crying for Archie the shitbag mm-hmm. on her deathbed. So yeah. there you go. Now, Henry Stewart will promptly marry his mistress, and they're going to have another three kids together because they've already had one kid who now, because Margaret's died and Henry marries his mistress, that illegitimate kid is now legitimate and entitled to all of Margaret's shit. And is this the, is, does this become the Stuart line? Is it just coincidence that he's named Stuart? Because it, it is it, part of, it is the, in the Stuart line, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> However. However. It is probably Margaret who's having the last laugh in the mortal beyond, as it is Margaret Tudor's blood right now, that is sitting on the throne of Great Britain with her great, who knows how many great granddaughter times over, Queen Elizabeth II, who is descended through the Tudor line via Margaret Tudor because it is Margaret Tudor's grandson, James VI, who will unite England and Scotland after the death of Elizabeth I in 1603. Survival. (laughs) 
As trash cans go, this is some classic Tudor trash can. No, it's pretty, uh, it's, uh, I mean, again, we. Here's the prequel to Henry's divorces. We have such a mis- misunderstanding of what, of how people lived their actual lives back then. Mm-hmm. I love these stories. Every so bit as trashy as current lives. I like Margaret too much to give her too many trash cans. However, Archie, hubby too, and Henry, trash cans and kilts, the both of them. So I'm going to award them collectively a Scottish mile of trash cans <laughs> to the both of them. And what, what is a Scottish mile? A Scottish mile? mile is a little longer. It's 1,984 yards as opposed to the 1,700 yards in the English mile. Hmm. Overage by about 200 or so. Scottish miles are used until 1701 when the English mile took it over. So a Scottish mile of trash cans filled with all your illegitimate children and all your fucking nefarious bullshit. This is a daughter of a king. Treat her like that. <laughs> and mother of a king. God, it's so trashy. Well, all of it. That is the story of Margaret Tudor and her trashy divorce and ish yeah. collateral damage. Yeah, all right. I always think there's like an end to the Tudor trashiness, and there is no end to there's the no end. Tudor trashiness. It is the gift it that is. keeps <laughs> on is. giving. Centuries later, we celebrate their trashiness. Well, it there's no way she could have gotten divorced from the king. Like, Henry changes because Henry wants a divorce from the lawful queen. Margaret just wants a divorce from her shitty trash yeah, bag husband. Dirt bag so husband, yeah. Not the same thing. Right. But kind of sets the precedent for a shit ton of irony coming out of Henry VIII's mouth. Can't do that. Marriage is holy. It can't be dissolved. That's the richest part of the whole story to me is what a... Have you met Anne Boleyn? Because... Unbelievable. Anyway, that is the trashy tale of Margaret Tudor. Mm -hmm. Let's take a break and come back with some... uh, it's like grade A trash. It's, I mean, it's misery. It's so, it's just, it's all trash. It's just miserable. It's a miserable story. Misery trash coming up after the break. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings crazy funny ones. I talk to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. So, Stacy, it's normally me from the other room doing a lot of gruffing and noise making and holy cats and stuff. But this week, surprisingly, the table's turned. It has been me. It has been me. Yeah, this is a miserable tale. That it's, I can't even make it funny because it's violent and it's just awful. And not um, sure if you've heard we're a comedy podcast. I know, so much so. for that. So yeah, I'm just going to open this one with the, with the sound eek. Um, it is very tough. So yeah, we both tend to avoid stories that deal with domestic violence because uh, it's a comedy show and also like it's just difficult subject matter. I don't think either of us really enjoy reading stories of people brutalizing their spouses. It's yeah, it's bad. Pretty terrible. And this is actually why we have not covered the brief but apparently fireworks-filled marriage and the ongoing feud between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, two actors you may have heard of. It's trashy. Oh, so trashy. And in recent months, it turns out that the story that we were told when they were breaking up in 2016 is probably not the full extent of what was going on. And what? so the, the dirt baggery has just expanded uh, in front of our eyes. So while both sides have evidence of the other being abusive, there have also been several audio files that have leaked that just make this a truly complicated story. This will not be one of our funnier tales. But whichever way you choose to tell the story, there is an awful lot of trash. So we'll start with Johnny, because of the 23 years he spent walking the earth before his one-day-slash-one-time wife, Amber Heard, was even born... Oh, wow. There's that big of an age difference. Yeah, it's a uh, <sighs> pony yeah. boy. Yeah. So Johnny was born in Owensboro, Kentucky on the 9th of June in 1963. He's a Gemini. Oh. Uh, he was the youngest of four kids. Dad was a civil engineer and the family moved a lot. Not quite Boris Johnson level lots, but like more than 20 times. Oh, wow. Before That's they, a lot. Yeah. Before they settled down in Miramar, Florida in uh, the early 70s. Johnny Depp, the original Florida man. Well, I guess he and Tom Petty moved to L- like did move from Florida to LA kind of at the same time. Like they were good friends. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Johnny's mom gave him a guitar when he was twelve, and a guitar to a boy is one of those gifts that really can direct you in the wrong direction, and it clearly did with Johnny Depp. Although because he's Johnny Depp, he ended up not just having like this guitar gateway drug leading him to all sorts of bad life choices, but also incredible fame, wealth, and superstardom. So normally guitars just get you a lot of girls. <laughs> or not. <laughs> anyway, um, his parents divorced when he was 15. And the next year he dropped out of high school to play rock and roll. He was really serious. Yeah. Um, so a few years later, his band called The Kids 
left Florida for L.A., hoping to make it big. And on the left coast, he married for the first time to the sister of his next band's bassist. Ah, well, that's nice. Yeah, this was a it was a brief marriage. It only lasted a couple years. But his wife did introduce him to a young Nick Cage. Nicholas no way. Cage. Yep. Crazy. Uh, probably a future Trashy Divorces subject, I'm guessing. Uh, and it was young Nick Cage. Again, we we think of these people in their you know current form and but like no they, yeah, they, they were, they were both, so young everyone was so young once yeah, upon a time he wasn't nicholas cage yet um and Nikki. he yeah and he tells johnny to to try acting like if the music thing isn't doing it for you why don't you give acting a try you got a pretty face you can do this <laughs> he he did in fact have a pretty face so johnny had some film roles in the mid 80s but really broke through in 87 with fox tv's do you remember 21 jump street Yes, 21 Jump yeah, Street. Yep. Yeah, I was kind of like, I thought this was going to no, be... No, I never missed 21 Jump Street. I thought this was going to be more fun to uh, research just because there's a lot of nostalgia here for me, but uh, no, no, it's it's not. Okay, so Johnny liked the attention, but he found the role and the marketing of the show pretty confining. And like, let's be honest, like Johnny Depp is, or maybe was... An interesting guy who could always be counted on to find and bring to life interesting roles, right? Sure. Which brings us to Edward Scissorhands. Wasn't he's a good actor? Yeah, he and Tim Burton, who's one of my favorite directors, obviously have had a super constructive partnership for decades. For sure. And like this put him with Winona Ryder, and then they became seriously involved for several years. Uh, the same year, 1990, he was in John Waters' Cry Baby with that little tattooed oh, tear. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He went dark for a couple years, like took some time off, and returned in 93 with Benny and June and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, with Mary Stuart Masterson. I mm-hmm. love I mm-hmm. love her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, like other notable roles, uh, Donnie Brasco, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is, wow, a movie, and Sleepy Hollow. We didn't need all that for the trip, mind you. But once you get locked into a serious drug collection, <laughs> the tendency is to push it as far as you can. Yeah, which, I mean... He will? That Ooh. may that may be part of what's happened here. Um, so, you know, by this point in his career, like Johnny Depp was certainly a well-known big-time actor, but he kept taking these roles that were like interesting to him, but weren't ever going to generate gobs of money, which is what Hollywood operates on, of course. Okay. But he's a Gemini. He might not operate on that. He, for the most part, has not. He's going to operate on his own creative thing. Sure. Nurturing his own soul, Florida boy. And then in 2003 is when he stumbles onto the screen in the role of Captain Jack Sparrow I... in Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. And aside from the aforementioned gobs of money that this whole franchise like has made, uh, he also got his first Oscar nomination. I mean, talk about making an alcoholic dick pirate <sighs> charming and affable. Mm-hmm. Johnny Depp did it. Did it. Did it. 100%. Did it. And apparently when he acts, he has a... He has a sound guy. He has an earpiece in and a sound guy like blasting cannons or playing babies crying or sometimes reading him his lines if he's too, has not learned them. But he's trying to act with his eyes like he studies silent films to try to improve his. Okay. So yeah, he'll have like this wacko stuff going off in his own hearing. Huh. That informs um, how he will play a scene. I had no idea. 
interesting actor. Okay, so Johnny Depp has been in five of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, as well as voicing video games for the franchise, and he loves the Jack Sparrow character. He's, I had no idea there were five. That's how behind I am. He says that Jack Sparrow is a cross between Keith Richards and Pepe Le Pew. Perfect. That <laughs> is perfect. Nailed it. Yes. And, you know, he was in other stuff too, like lots and lots of other films. But the one that we'll turn to next for our story is The Rum Diary, an adaptation of a Hunter S. Thompson novel that was shot in Puerto Rico in 2009 and released theatrically in 2011. Okay. Didn't do well. I mean, it's... I've never heard of it. Right. Fair. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it wasn't reviewed well. It, it didn't do well at the box office. It was, it was just one of the movies that Johnny Depp made because he loves Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, well, like, of course he does. Hunter S. Thompson's one of his heroes. Oh, jeez. So. Mm-hmm. All right. But it was on this film, this not particularly notable film, that um, Johnny, who by then was a decade into his relationship with Vanessa Paradis, mm-hmm. with whom he has two children, met the actress Amber Heard. Oh, wait. So he's already with someone? Yeah. With they, two kids? He and Vanessa were together for a lot, like 14 years or something. Like they Holy had a very long. cats. Yeah. And anyway. And yeah. then meets Amber, who's 12? She's younger. Okay. They didn't start seeing each other right away, I don't believe. Because they had to wait for her to get her driving license? You're saying funny things. It's a comedy podcast. <laughs> okay, so now we will set Johnny Depp on a dock in Trashy Divorces Harbor. And we're going we're gonna to flip over to meet the woman who will become his second wife. Okay. Amber Laura Hurd was born April 22nd, 1986, and is a Taurus. Okay. She grew up outside of Austin, Texas, with a very outdoorsy childhood with lots of hunting and fishing with her dad. She was also a beauty pageant kid, so just a interesting mix of things okay. going on there. At the age of 16, a close friend of hers was killed in a car accident, which seems to have been one of the sort of defining moments of her youth, she left the Catholic Church, found atheism. I think she considers herself agnostic these days. And she started reading authors like George Orwell and Anne Rand. Groovy. At 17, There's she... There's nowhere this story is going to go wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> At 17, she dropped out of Catholic high school, went to New York City, did some modeling, and then was like, you know what? I'm going to LA and I'm going to act. So this is like 03... And yeah, I mean, she's 17. She's like, yeah. Big dreams. So Amber Heard had some lean years to get through. There was a Kenny Chesney music video. Of course there was. Of course there was. (laughs) Supporting roles on television shows like The Mountain and The O.C. And then small roles in a variety of movies. Friday Night Lights, Drop Dead Sexy, North Country, and some others. Blah, blah, blah. In 2008... She found herself with notable parts in a couple of successful movies. There was Judd Apatow's Pineapple Express and an action drama called Never Back Down. 08 is also the year that Amber got into a serious relationship with painter and photographer Tasia Van Rie, an L.A.-based artist whom Amber was arrested for physically abusing while the couple transited through SeaTac a year what? later in 2009. What? Both women would later say the incident was blown out of proportion by the police. But obviously, this would become a big deal uh, as the public tried to figure out what exactly was up in 2016 and again in 2019. 
Also, it occurs to me I maybe haven't seen a movie in 20 years because none of those sounded familiar. I've heard, Go ahead. I've heard of Pineapple Express. It's supposed to be very funny. So in 2012, Johnny split up with Vanessa and Amber split up with Tazia. And the two new lovebirds were living together within a year. Yeah. They got engaged in early 2014. We think they were very cagey about all of that. Um, okay. At some point, though, she was photographed with a ring. Apparently, she spent substantial time hiding her hand so that photographers could not anyway they married in a private ceremony at their los angeles home in february of 2015 and then flew off to the bahamas to have a public ceremony with family and friends oh well that's nice still small still i mean there are like there are some photos of it but it it was a small gathering it was in may of 2015 so just a few months into this, that uh, they got in trouble for bringing their Yorkshire Terriers to Australia without properly declaring oh, them yeah. and going through the biosecurity quarantine process. I remember this. And oh, yeah. Yep. So oh. we covered this back in um, season two, episode six. Barnaby Joyce. Barnaby Joyce. Yeah. The, yeah the, it's the Mr. Big Stuff episode. Uh, and just anyway, so I don't really get into that again, but um, it was that's the comedy part of the show. Okay. By that fall, Amber was already responding to rumors that there was trouble in paradise. And then, like, 15 months into this marriage in May of 2016, Amber shocks the world with a divorce filing and an immediate request for a restraining order, writing in a court motion, quote, During the entirety of our relationship, Johnny has been verbally and physically abusive to me. I endured excessive emotional, verbal, and physical abuse from Johnny, which has included... Angry, hostile, humiliating, and threatening assaults to me whenever I questioned his authority or disagreed with him. Oh, ooh. This, uh, whoo, really, really lit things up. So, you know, in, in this legal declaration, May 27, 2016, she points to his long history. They've been married like a year! Yeah. Yeah, she points to his long history with drugs and alcohol and described him as having a short fuse, a scary temper, and a penchant for paranoia and delusional thinking, particularly when he would get high or get drunk or usually it sounds like he was mixing, at least in her telling of it. you like Anne Rand? What's your baseline for paranoia, sister? She may not still like Anne Rand. I don't know. Um, She said that the drugs exacerbated his aggression. And that she was in fear of her safety while residing at a property that he had access to. And so this is why she needed a restraining order. She laid out in terrifying detail the events of, you know, what she describes as two violent altercations. One on April 21st, following a celebration of her birthday that Johnny was late to. And another on May 21st, which several of her friends either witnessed in person or by phone. One friend supplied her own sworn statement supporting uh, Amber's accounting of events, along with, you know, this thing had photographs of bruises that she allegedly had, like, she said that Johnny uh, threw his phone at her hard enough to, like, bruise her face. Um, Yikes. Another friend uh, who she called during the altercation published a piece on Refinery29 called Why I Called 911. That is really good. It's not long. It's re- like, it, it is a very moving piece. It does not mention either of these people by name, right? It's just, it's this very, lots of like how much 
everybody loves Johnny in their circle and it's so weird. Like it's, I don't know. It's a very moving piece. We will have it linked on the website. I hate the story. Let me just, this part's terrible. As time went by, Amber revealed more stories of abuse at the hands of what she described as her drug-addled, out-of-control husband, like the time in March 2015, a month into the marriage, when, according to her, they got into a fight about her co-star, Billy Bob Thornton. She says that while he was hitting her with one hand, he was slamming, this is a quote, um, slamming a hard plastic phone against a wall with his other until it was smashed into smithereens. While he was smashing the phone, Johnny severely injured his finger, cutting off the tip of it. What? This mm. a- this actually happened. Um, you can you can Google Johnny See Johnny's tipless finger. You can Google Johnny Depp finger, and there are photos that show post reattachment. This can, is a big old goofy fucking world, man. This it's a ter- like yeah okay. Later, she said that he scrawled Billy Bob and Easy Amber on the wall in a mixture of his own blood and paint. And incredibly, oh God! while Johnny rejects most of this account, he does admit to writing on the wall in his blood and paint in this incident. Hey, big shocker, Amber got her temporary restraining order. <laughs> Shot. Yes. Her claims ignited a real rift in Hollywood where, um, you know, Johnny Depp's been there for decades and he knows a million people and, like, it just didn't track with his ex-girlfriend's experience of like it it was just it caused a lot of caused a lot of upset in in the world so in the media and on social media there was a big rally around Johnny effect that you know his children who are pretty much adults now his ex Vanessa and plenty of Hollywood was about to say what did she say they were together 14 years certainly she, she would know his patterns of behavior yeah she does she says she Untrue. has no idea what that what is doesn't make sense here. to me this isn't the guy I know yeah and like you know again his uh relationship with Winona Ryder was like 30 years ago now but she's like this is not the Johnny Depp I've known because normally if you're that type of personality, right? right? Yeah, it's a it it's starts a pattern. It escalates. It's a pattern. It doesn't go away, and it doesn't just spontaneously begin. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Johnny did not comment personally right away. I mean, he has since then. It's been several years. But the story coming out of Johnny World was basically that she was shaking him down for money. And that the abuse allegations came because he didn't agree to her initial, like, I need this. Uh, I'm divorcing you and I need this. So we would learn later that LAPD responded to a May 21st 911 call that her friend then wrote about on Refinery29. Okay. But made no arrests. They they didn't see any evidence that crimes were happening. Which, given Johnny Depp's history with drugs is... (laughs) You wonder how hard they looked, but in any case, um, then in June of 2016, People published People Magazine published photos that seemed to show Amber with bruises and a cut lip that she said came from a domestic violence incident in December of 2015. Yikes. A claim that Johnny flatly denies. I think he says that she's just using makeup to, to fake oh. injuries. Not to be outdone. 
Time published an interview with Winona Ryder, who was engaged to Johnny back in the early back 90s. Back in the day, yeah. And she says only good things about him in that. I'm sure that was because of Stranger Things, right? That had to... Well, Winona Ryder, like, just as fascinating in herself. She, she stated really, everybody. Yeah, Winona Ryder is, and she got so screwed with the shoplifting thing. Anyway, blacklisted for decades. Come on. Come on. She's dated a like she dated Adam Duritz from Counting Crows. She's dated a lot of people in Hollywood and I can imagine seeing a bunch of things. So oh, she's I've, coming out like I don't understand like, this doesn't no, make No, she's she's wholeheartedly team, yeah. like just this week team she Johnny. put out Oh, like, really? More, okay. Um she and Vanessa both. Okay, so by mid-August this thing had played itself out. Um Johnny gave Amber 7 million dollars which she donated to charity. She withdrew her request for a permanent domestic violence restraining order, which would certainly have marked him as, you know, as in like you've convinced a judge that this is all real. And anyway, the two of them put out a joint statement that kind of, it seemed like it kind of gave a little to both sides. Quote, our relationship was intensely passionate and at times volatile, but always bound by love. There was never an intent of physical or emotional harm. Neither party has made false accusations for financial gain. Okay. This is so perplexing. Yes. So they were then divorced. Done. Finito. There was big damage to Johnny Depp's reputation. I mean, we've had, like, you know, I remember a friend was over, like, I can't see the Fantastic Beast movies because Johnny Depp's in it and he's, you know. The worst. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Disney is uncertain whether he's going to be part of the Pirates franchise going forward. They've he apparently... is the Pirates franchise. I th- right? I think they're trying to figure out if he's worth it. Right? The ghost of Captain Jack Sparrow. <laughs> They've apparently created a female pirate character ah. um, that will potentially be at, at the helm of uh, the, next, the next movie. My guess is Amber Heard will not be cast in that role. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So he did end up being cast in the Fantastic Beasts franchise, which is a Harry Potter spinoff. And this caused a bunch of blowback that J.K. Rowling had to address. And she's having her own issues lately. So Amber was cast in the DC Extended Universe as uh, Mira and has appeared in Justice League and Aquaman. I did like Aquaman. She also began to take on an activist role in matters of sexual and domestic violence, culminating in a December 2018 op-ed in the Washington Post that talked about the consequences she had suffered over the last couple of years as, quote, a public figure representing domestic abuse. Mm. Again, it did not mention Johnny Depp by name anywhere in it, but you by, know that you're talking about. Well, him. by bracketing it in that time frame. Sure. Because she opens with, like, I suffered abuse you know as a young person i had been sexually assaulted by the time i was college age like so many women so it could have but there is a line in there where she talks about like over the last two years which definitely implies yes okay so let's talk about what 2018 was for johnny depp fantastic beasts is a warner brothers franchise as is the dc extended universe so these two exes uncomfortably we're both at Comic-Con San Diego that Yikes. year, not on the same stage at the same time, but this prompted some weird headlines as well. I mean, it's just, once you decide someone's a wife beater and then he's at the same event as his ex-wife, like it's... Cameras are following It's you. not going to, yeah, it's just not going to look good. 
Then there was a Rolling Stone profile that came out in June where Depp invited the reporter to his home and over a three-day period basically convinced him that he had lost his mind as well as all of his money. It did not go well. Like Johnny Depp's rolling up um, like joints with hash and tobacco. And no! With the like, Rolling Stone with the reporter? reporter. Mm-hmm. For three days? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, it was... Uh, no. We'll link it. It's quite a thing. It actually... Because again, it turns out I've had like long-term good feelings about Johnny Depp. It made me worry about him. Like, it made me feel concerned for his welfare. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's... That's, that's not... You don't invite somebody in for three days to clear your reputation as not a shit bag and then act like a shit bag for three days. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as noted in the post-op ad, Amber never named Johnny, but it's very clear what she was talking about. The whole world knew what she was talking about. And Johnny, who has always denied the allegations, had had enough. In March 2019, he filed a defamation suit in Virginia where the Post is headquartered, demanding $50 million. Whoa! In it, he says that his ex-wife, quote, is not a victim of domestic abuse. She is a perpetrator. So he brought up the 09 arrest, which, again, her ex-girlfriend or ex-wife, like in his filing, he says ex-wife. I don't know. And the tables have turned. You know, both of them say, like, it was not a big deal. Like, just, like, a cop saw she grabbed her ex's arm in the airport. I'm not sure what happened exactly, but she wasn't prosecuted for it in the end. So his lawyers say that they have other exes of hers who also have stories of abuse from her. And he describes her allegations of abuse as an elaborate hoax intended to advance her own career. Wow. And he has some evidence, too. So there was like a separate 2018 lawsuit where he was suing his managers. It's really... I seriously, I came away worried about Johnny Depp and the choices that he's making. So he explains his version of how his finger got severed back in 2015. He says that Amber threw a broken vodka bottle at his hand, which was on a marble bar counter. And the fight, he says, came up because he wanted her to sign a postnuptial agreement since he had ignored the advice of literally everyone he'd ever met and married her without a prenup. Oh, God. Later, the Daily Mail would publish audio of medical staff searching for the severed portion of his finger in that Australian villa. No. So he had photos of injury to his face that he said she had caused, particularly related to his being late to her birthday party that time. They also, there are audio files where Amber apologizes for hitting him and hitting his head with a door and so on, like... Then, you know, Amber has provided photos and text messages from staff in Australia documenting his destruction of her closet in the villa they were staying in. This lawsuit, like, has wrapped in, like, Elon Musk and James Franco have both been subpoenaed you by... You joking. I'm not. Like, Depp claims that um, she had an affair with Elon Musk during their relationship. And, like, you want to <laughs> talk about dirtbags who are going to show up on this show. I'm all for believe women. Yes. But this really does sound like when the evidence is weighed on the scale side by side, that it is very hard to this get is, to the truth of the that's, matter. That's where I am very, like, this is so... You like it when it ties up with a neat little bow. This doesn't tie up, No, does this it? is just, mm. this just, it's like just an endless stream of feel bad stuff. It's really, anyway, 
Johnny also filed a libel suit against the Sun newspaper in the UK after an April 2018 article that described him as a wife beater. So, like, he's very serious about, like, pushing back on on all that. What Which does that mean? Good. If it is untrue and your reputation is getting trashed, then yeah. Or if you're an abuser, this is how you gaslight your victim. Either way. In perpetuity, right? Exactly. Like, that's That's why this is an endless stream of feel bad, because... Either way, it's terrible. Not all trash candy tastes good, babe. No, this is this is awful. So that lawsuit is currently set to be heard in July, subject to coronavirus, obviously. This is the earwax of trash candy. <laughs> yes. Like birdie bots. Yes. Um, uh. All right. So just this week in that case, that's where we get the new character references from Winona Ryder and Vanessa Paradis. Both of whom are unequivocal in their statements that this is a gentle, not violent person who was a great dad to his kids with Vanessa. Like, just Winona Ryder is like, I cannot square her claims about what happened with the person I know. And like, we don't know what happens in other people's homes. Like, so, I don't Like, a Gemini is always going to take it out on themselves. And they're multiple personalities before they take it out on anybody else. Taurus, not so... This is... Okay, this doesn't fucking matter. No. Go ahead. I think I mentioned that I hate this story. Um, so what happened in the Depp Heard marriage? I have no idea, but clearly yeah, it was not good. I mean, her claims are monstrous. There's much more. I mean, I just don't like to get into that kind of stuff. But also, it would be monstrous to fabricate claims like that. And at the same time, it seems like Johnny Depp really is not doing well in his life at this point. Somehow, like, should we be worried? Like, are his kids worried about him? Um, Has anyone checked on his He's almost 60 years old. Work it out, man. And he's super rich. Like, I, I don't have any good takeaways here. There's nothing funny at all about this story. And I feel like even like assigning trash cans, like our little gimmick at the end thing, just is is glib. Yeah. Clearly, these are two people who hurt each other and probably physically hurt each other. And like, I don't, it's a terrible story. Um, You're welcome, listeners. I hope. I hope you're happy now. I hope everyone gets the healing they need. You know what? That's where I am. Um, As far as I know, Johnny is single and... Amber is uh, dating a woman now, so I don't know. Yeah, I told you I hate that story. This was miserable. A lot of trash candy. I had bad dreams last night because I was like mid writing this and just oh, it's just a nightmare. Like the person she describes, it is terrifying. Like if that happened, I feel so terrible for her. But the person that she described, like if he had, like. Exactly. If she happened in the way he described her, it's still all terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. It. This is the worst. Okay. Well, we have, at season six, episode seven, determined- You broke me. I, you broken <laughs> me. Trashy Divorces is done. I hate this show. No, we're- Now we're kidding. I mean, I, I hate the story. Here, grab your cup. Let's see if we can come back next week with some uh, better Trashy Divorces. You go first next week. Let's hope you got a cup of happy. Ah. Who have you got? uh, 
I hope, oh. I hope we'll go better. Oh, that's um, a, another listener requested. Uh, definitely another listener requested. Um, what would the clue be? He's got big hair. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe he did. I think if you say the other one, it's too much. We want to be cagey about it. Oh. Everybody in this trashy divorce had big hair. It's true. <laughs> it it is sort of it's a it's a big hair bonanza. Oh, of, that's of, a fantastic clue. Of eighties licious, nineties licious. Yeah, it's it's a big hair bonanza. Yeah. All right, you ready? But um yeah. Boom. Okay. okay. Let's see what I got. All right. Ah. How are you gonna clue that? Who I'm going to say that this divorce, the trashy divorces that I will be covering next week are also the divorces of a daughter of the king. Hmm. See what I did there? I do, I see what you did there. Ha 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 ha. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, with great apologies, I think we should wrap up now. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us for yet another week of Trashy Divorces. Don't forget, there's a whole ton of free trash candy at bit.ly slash trash candy quarantine. And those ones are funny. (laughs) And if you can't get enough, join us over on Patreon. We're putting out brand new content every single week. What came out this week? Ooh, you did a deep dive on Pirate Ann Bonnie and all of her so that one, I had so much fun research. That was just a great story. I love it. I love it. Your Tuesday bonus divorce was a ton of fun. I'm still giggling over Mushroom Day. Mushroom Day in the Hamptons. Let's see. Oh, and I did a deep dive into Pickfair and did a Dirty Digs right. on Pickfair as well. Mm-hmm. So we're still putting out brand new content over there this week. The celebration of Anne Boleyn's death day. I'm going to have a super fun thing. It's a dark day in our home every year. No, I'm going to make it fun this year. We're going to have a super fun thing. Lots of fun stuff coming up on Patreon. Be sure to check out the free trash candy. Stacey, what do we need everybody to do until we see them next Sunday? Well, we need them to wash their hands about 50 times a day, and we need them to keep it trashy. So, so trashy. Thanks, everybody. Can't wait to see you next week. Yep. Bye. And moisturize, too. That's really going to help with the hand washing. Weirdo. (laughs) Bye. Cheers, friends. (laughs) And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's sydneyvsmith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. 
If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Interested in some trashy divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.